Ladies and gentlemen, warning, spoilers ahead. Let me tell you something. I want you to listen to me, okay? This is not your country. Good evening and welcome to television. Hello. Hi. Hey. hey. <laughs> I'm Wayne Stellini. And I'm a Philip Hunting. And welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review films, everything from the mainstream to the obscure. That's right, Philip. I'm curious. What have you been watching since our last podcast? I've still been watching uh, Star Trek Next Gen. Nerd. Nerd. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, that's okay. How about yourself? Well, I've been revisiting one of the greatest all-time classics ever to be infused into celluloid. He's winding me up, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I well, wouldn't do that to you. <laughs> Legally Blonde! He wound me up. <laughs> so I take it that's on the blacklist now yeah, of films to so, review? So um, my sister used to get it like all the time at uh, Blockbuster. Ladies and gentlemen, Blockbuster is a uh, is an organisation that once upon a time you could rent movies from. Yes, before uh, Netflix. Before Netflix. You had to actually leave the house. Before the dawn of time. Yes, before Netflix, <laughs> you had to leave the um, house to watch films. It was the one that I could deal with the most out of all the chick flicks and stuff she got. I just, it just doesn't spell a special place for me. Well, Philip, based on your tone... We're going to have to take it off the blacklist and revisit it at we one point. We are going to have to revisit <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, what's today's film? Well, today we're reviewing the controversial Australian drama, Romper Stomper. Please explain. Hando, played by Russell Crowe, leads a gang of neo-Nazis in the western Melbourne suburb of Footscray. At odds on a number of levels with the local Vietnamese community, excessively violent confrontations are frequent between the two groups. Following one such clash, Hando and best friend Davey, Daniel Pollock, meet Gabrielle, Jacqueline McKenzie, a troubled youth whose involvement with Hando and his cohort, as well as increasing tensions with the locals, changed the dynamics of the gang forever. Upon release, Romper Stomper divided audiences and critics. Some found it racist, others found it rightfully challenging. Philip, where did you sit with Romper Stomper? Um, for me, I didn't actually find it as controversial as I thought. So I went into it thinking I'd get angry because I s- sort of knew the basic premise. Yeah. It's racism and it's about skinheads and neo-Nazis and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And the real basic premise of it. So, And I actually read a book oh, back in high school um, called Kite Runner and I remember getting halfway through it, getting so angry at it because of a certain scene that's in the book Throwing the book and, and essentially saying, I'm never reading this thing ever again, rah, rah, rah. So did um, you have visions of throwing the DVD casing across the room? at, at you specifically for <laughs> making me... Uh, no, but uh, yeah, I expected myself to get angry and all that. Didn't find myself as angry, but I'll get into why I do think this maybe isn't the film it was intended to be. Okay, that's an interesting angle to look at because really only the director knows. Yeah, that's it, yeah. And, you know, intentions, execution, the way it's received are all different things. That's it. Once a filmmaker makes their film, mm. it no longer belongs to it them. no longer belongs to them. And it's all about how the audience receives it. Receives it, it that's it. And if those two visions don't align, well, you haven't done your job properly, that's have it. you? That's it. I have to admit, I'm a little 
Not confused. I found myself while watching this questioning whether if writer-director Jeffrey Wright's vision had come to fruition, if that makes sense, because I kept looking at it and thinking, oh, okay, that could be taken as endorsing or being mm. sympathetic mm. to the skinheads. And then I would look at another moment and I go, oh, it's definitely anti-racist, this film. Yeah. It doesn't want to encourage anything. Yeah. So the depiction of race relations and tensions between races is the center point of this film. It mm. does have other elements as well. Mm. But what did you feel about this film? Look, for me, it sort of comes down to this idea of almost glorifying the people involved. So in this case, neo-Nazis. Right. And my problem stems from the fact that, and I'm going to cop a lot of flack for this, I understand, but a lot of people do still glorify Ned Kelly, Chopper Reed. Like, like again, no one will turn around and say, oh, well, he wasn't a bushranger and he wasn't a criminal. But a lot of people still actually hold them at highest, uh, high, you know, oh, Chopper Reed only killed uh, bad people. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Ned Kelly, it was hard done by, by the cop... They killed people. They were robbers, murderers. End of the day, whether right or wrong, they were in a very specific category. And for me, and this is where I feel, and again, this is the hate I'm going to get, but I do feel that watching this as a educated person, I felt, yes, this is a very anti-skinhead, anti-Nazi, you know, oh, look how horribly they're living. Look how uh, uh, all the hardship they're going through and all that yet I can tell you now so again a little bit of my history I do uh, historical reenacting First World War and with that I actually know don't like but know a handful of people who describe themselves as neo-Nazis okay I know these people would look at this uh, film with very different eyes to me. They would see it as the struggle. They would see it as like a Ned Kelly redemption story or a, a story of struggle between friends, especially how it starts off. The movie starts off very sort of this gang and they're all together and mm. and doing their thing against the, the evil uh, Asians. <laughs> And then you have this attack on the group by a very violent Asian gang. Or, 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 to be fair, vigilantes, I'd say. So that's one of the elements there, is that the Vietnamese community aren't depicted as being passive. They mm. do fight back. They do fight back. They're being picked on. Which, which from, again, I feel from our point of view, yeah. we go, yeah, of course they would. You've yeah. you, 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 you got to stand up for yourself. Rah, rah, rah. Absolutely. Whereas, I can tell you now the people I'm thinking of would view this as, see, they're against us. They're going to come after us in greater numbers. Yes. And then the second half of this movie almost drops the racism bit entirely, and it just becomes almost like a group family feud style of thing. I actually started thinking sort of Romeo and Juliet almost, or a, 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 you know, house divided sort of thing, and it goes again, for the people I'm thinking of watching this, might see it more as a warning message as opposed to a, you see what happens when you're a racist fool. Yeah, I find it interesting that you didn't mention about the different perspectives that people may have. And obviously we can't talk for everybody who's ever seen this oh, film. of course not. 
but we do know that from feedback that is quite well documented and just you and I discussing the film today know that there are different perceptions about this film mm. so I found myself thinking that throughout this whole piece the skinhead culture the characters here are never glorified that does not mean that they are not portrayed sympathetically because it's exactly like what you said Philip they are a family unit mm. we see this love and loyalty between this brotherhood we see how little respect is afforded to women who are involved in this community mm. the loyalty the trust the friendship the love between the two main men so hando and davy is incredibly tight until a woman enters the picture and yes. it is a typical trope isn't it that yes. when a woman in this case it's gabrielle played by jacqueline mckenzie enters, things change I feel like they have to change because she represents us, the audience. We're the outsiders looking in, and so is she. She's quite troubled, but in saying that, she's never quite fully on their side, I don't think. Immersed in it, no. Yes. You can tell there's moments where she's in love with the power that especially Hando possesses. I think she's attracted to that. And there is this one scene where the boys have got a Vietnamese gentleman pinned down and they're smacking him around and threatening him. And she says, oh, you know, I think that's enough. And the Vietnamese man in his struggle sort of kicks at her. Mm. And then she's... She retaliates. She retaliates. But you feel like that she enjoys that yeah she is wanting to be a part of this community without ever having i think fully commit to it yes so i think through the eyes of the character of davy played by daniel pollock especially we get to see a sympathetic side yeah but i feel that that's responsible because at the end of the day when you paint people even if you don't want to glorify them or paint them as nice people or nice guys they're still humans yeah humans are complex creatures and we need to see them as multifaceted but I think we also want to see that perhaps through Davy's point of view, the ideal of the skinhead culture is not being lived up to. Yeah. Yes, I'm sure it is about race purification, but is it really about this excessive violence? What, I don't know. What I feel is... And, and you're totally right. There's that responsibility there. And I think this is where a lot of people see the... As opposed to, as you say, it being... Um, oh, they're human too. Mm. A lot of people say, oh, you're being sympathetic to Nazis. Yeah. We actually see that today. Yes, that's right. And again, I'm not endorsing anything here, but anyone who turns around and tries to say, oh, not everyone at that rally was a Nazi. Yes. Or not everyone who's right wing is a Nazi. That's right. You know what I mean? But we do have these same arguments happening now that I feel surrounded this movie that, you know, we can say not everyone who's right wing is a Nazi, but there's a lot of people that say, well, actually anyone who is right wing affiliates closer to Nazis, therefore they're Nazis. Yes, and I think when you just box people in like that and dismiss them, you actually give them more power. The problem I still see here, though, is that if this is what he was trying to do, trying to say that this lifestyle is hideous... However, we've got to remember they're humans too. And even capable of redemption, if the idea was that, hey, look, even after all this rubbish, you can redeem yourself. Yeah. I would have ended the movie where Davy and Gabby. Yeah, Gabrielle. Yep, Gabrielle. Were in bed together and we'd just seen the... Oh, Hando looking over them. No, before that. Oh, okay. the, The actual raid. I would have had the raid. Okay. Again, it's a little stereotypical and yeah. I'm sure it could do with work. I'm on the off the bat here. But yeah. I would have ended it around about there. The raid happens, have Hendo get arrested as well, maybe shot in a uh, showdown or something with a gun that he got or something. I don't know. Yeah. 
and end it there. That way, it would have shown that you can have redemption and this is what's going to happen to you if you keep on that path. So Whereas you- I feel where it's gone, we've got it ends up getting sidetracked with this love triangle thing yes. at the end. We forget that it's about racism. We really forget that these guys, not forget entirely, but we mm. lose... We've lost by this point a lot of the fact that there was racism going on and that they're racist and that we only really get reminded because Gabby calls up and says, Oh, by the way, there's people you're looking for and we go, Oh yeah, they were yeah. they were they were after them because they beat the shit out of people. Yeah. So I really would have sort of ended it around about there. Because we go on, we get this love triangle thing fired up again. Uh, yes, Hendo ends up dead and the two good people, quote unquote good people, end up but it just feels like no lessons were truly learned. Do you feel like that because Davy was the one who killed Hando and for example it wasn't a police officer or he mm. wasn't arrested, because it was Hando's close closest friend mm. that that redeems Davy more than what he should have been redeemed I don't I wouldn't say it redeems him more I actually wouldn't say that it redeems him at all because he's because, betrayed his brother so well, to speak not even that because it's not so much that he couldn't be redeemed or wouldn't it's that he I honestly don't feel and maybe I missed something but I honestly don't feel that he showed enough remorse to turn around and say that he wouldn't just start up a new gang I actually feel that the the whole killing him and all that stuff had nothing to do with him being a racist or not and everything to do with shit falling down around them and shit fell down around them again because of Gabrielle so Mm. she is again representing us the audience the outsider we're looking in she's looking in she's getting involved Mm. we're involved director Jeffrey Wright definitely makes us get involved I think I think that's why the film starts so aggressively. It definitely positions yeah. you to say, this is real. This is what's happening yeah. here. Let me draw you in. Let me shock you. Let me repulse you. Yeah. So you know what the stakes are. And yeah. it is quite a long montage. Yes, it is broken up every now and then. But essentially, it's a long montage of fight scenes. Yeah. I want to throw in just quickly here, though, just to really hammer home that point. The two women didn't want to kill anyone. So they got kicked out. Yes, the two British girls. The two British girls. Gabby gets kicked out, not because she said you shouldn't kill Asians, but because she said that Hendo fucked up while her plan to get money to buy guns. So she is only kicked out because Hendo gets angry. But once again, she's no redeeming. She is like us. She's holding up a mirror to Hendo and she's saying, you are not this strong. You are not perfect. He sits there very early on reading Mein Kampf Tour, talking about... the superiority of the white race. And she's in that moment saying, you're full of shit, mate. Yeah, but it still doesn't to me. Again, if, if we're going for the greater yes. theme of the film, Davy only kills Hendo because he's trying to kill Gabby. Yes. Gabby's not this saint not this and again i know reality isn't but i'm just trying Mm. to say if you're trying to get the idea of see racism's wrong yes to the educated masses yeah yes they will get it Mm -hmm. to the neo-nazis of the world they're going to see this as a hurrah film they're going to see this as 
there was no real consequence to them being racist and beating the shit out of people. There was a consequence to them not standing strong together. I think that that is also a theme of the film, though, and it is that way intentionally. Again, if we look at Gabby, she doesn't really have a sense of community. So as the film progresses, we learn that she's been raised with an incestuous relationship with her father, who, I guess, to compensate for her abuse or for really trying to win love or wanting to keep a romantic love, if you will, with her you know provides accommodation is yeah, quite wealthy yeah, yeah. and stands up for her because she's broken up with a with a drug dealing and drug taking boyfriend at the very beginning yeah all of these different things so she's never had a parental figure or a strong male role model yeah she doesn't seem to be employed she doesn't seem to be studying i think she's just looking for a place she finds it with these outcasts who themselves present themselves as an ideal that just cannot be sustained i do agree with you philip in regards to the vision perhaps or the execution the message that comes through from this film because there were moments when I had questioned are you trying to endorse the neo-nazis perspective for example there is a moment when the Vietnamese gang members or the community all start to raid the home the headquarters of these neo-nazis there's a shot of a window and it's very brief but because I was a teenager, just going on to my teens when this film was released, mm-hmm. I remember the discourse around the Asian community yep. in the Western suburbs. One of the slogans that was quite prominent was stop the Asian invasion. So in this scene, mm. as we've got the skinheads buckling down in their home, we cut to a group of the Vietnamese guys by the window. And on the window is a sticker that says, stop the Asian invasion. Yeah. The window gets smashed. Yeah. And the guys come in, yeah. i.e. They're, they're invading the place. Exactly. Yes. And I feel this all adds... And that actual scene you're talking about, the mm. invasion scene, the, the attacking the home, to me, actually, I remember sitting thinking that if you're trying to make an anti-Nazi movie, then this is not the way to do it because... You've just made the the Nazi guys now on the run the underdogs. Yes. You didn't make them the absolute victors and now they've fallen from grace. You've made them the underdogs in this, oh my God, there's thousands of them, they keep coming, uh, mantra. I do wonder about that, especially if we're just going paint by numbers here. We go, the skinheads are the aggressors. The Vietnamese community are the victims. What I do like about the film, though, is that the Vietnamese community, as depicted, refuse to be victimized. Yes. Or refuse to be the victims. They're like, no, we are inhabiting this part of the world on our own terms. Mm. You know, we're here lawfully we're here legally we're contributing to the community yeah they're business owners yeah they're you know supporting one another and the greater community it's you know not like this ghettoized environment they're really contributing and adding flavor and value to the community how dare you try to say that we're not welcome here how dare you say that this is not our home or our country too and i think it's this resistance being pushed up and whenever you have a dominant ideology which is what the skinhead culture tries to enforce and it meets that resistance you're always going to have clashes yeah I, i and i definitely agree and to be honest you are right i liked seeing that i wanted to see more of that almost you know again halfway through the movie 
They get chased off, and then we don't see any more cultural clashes or anything. I almost wanted to see an A and B story. I wanted we focus on the skinheads, yes, but I wanted to see maybe something where we focus one hand on the skinheads, then we focus on the uh, Asian community, so that we could get this. We can see both sides of the story thing, so that we can almost choose a side. Yeah, but in a way that would hopefully show us that. Yeah, okay, yes. On one hand, yes, Nazis can be human. And, you know, the Asian-Vietnamese community can be overly aggressive and too whatever fighting when they're fighting back. And no one likes war and war is bad and fighting is bad. All that jazz. I know it could end up being a paint-by-numbers scenario. My only problem is that, again, I still feel that to you and I, we can see the message. Yeah. To the undereducated, and I'm... Sorry, but Enda, I've yet to meet a educated skinhead. True. I've yet to meet someone who follows to the doctrine those ideologies, who is educated enough to for me to be able to turn around and say, you know what, I get what you're saying. Yes. So Agreed. to those sort of people, they're not seeing those intricacies. And it's all right to argue, oh, well, the movie's not for them. Mm. But if it wasn't for them and it's not a movie, then if it's a movie they're not going to see. Yeah. To, to, to bring it back to, say, you know, the movie we saw last time, I Love You, Philip Morris. Yeah. That movie is not generally for a straight audience, especially for when it was made, etc. Right. So in terms of this film's audience, Philip, mm. do you think it runs the risk of appealing to the wrong audience, if you will? When viewed by us, yes, we can say, yep, that's saying that it's bad. Yes. What it should then do is, if a neo-Nazi did happen to see it, should make them uncomfortable. Should make them go, oh, I don't like watching this because this is holding a mirror up to me. But I feel, honestly feel, knowing a few neo-Nazis, that they would actually watch it and go, hell yeah. I wonder how the film would have been received, for example, if it was from the Vietnamese community's point of view. And would it have attained as much controversy? Would anyone who identifies with the skinhead culture want to see it? Or Mm. simply maybe just see it as left-wing propaganda? This was in the 90s, yes? Yes, so the film was released in 1992. So to put it into context, there was an anti-immigrant sentiment, especially around Asian people. That escalated a few years later in Australia Mm. when a politician by the name Mm. of Pauline Hanson surfaced. Mm. I call the Honourable Member for Oxley. Thank you, Mr Acting Speaker. I and most Australians want our immigration policy, policy radically reviewed and that of multiculturalism abolished. I believe we are in danger of being swamped by Asians. They have their own culture and religion, form ghettos and do not assimilate. Australia has a history of not being too friendly regarding immigrants. We even see in a scene here where Hando still clearly does not like Europeans. He berates Gabrielle for making wog food pasta Mm, mm. so he is still holding on to these ideals he's picking on the vietnamese community around him now after this film was made the community has changed and our waves of immigration have changed to include a lot more beautifully diverse people into our community so just to put it again into context fred the alien is primarily based in footscray where this film is set Mm, mm. so there is a shift in footscray from a large asian community to a Sudanese community. Mm. And, of course, the Sudanese community in Australia is now copping a lot of flack. Yeah. If we were to make this film today... It'd be with the Sudanese It would be attacking the Sudanese community. Could this actually be aimed at casual racists? 
people who would have been gone along to see a film about neo-Nazis, oh, fucking neo-Nazis, I hate them, but then gone, that's so shocking, and then maybe sort of subconsciously picked up the crap they do in their own lives. I don't think the film was made for racists, and I don't think it was made by a racist. No, I don't think it was made by a racist, most certainly not. If it appealed to racist people, we don't have a control over that. Yeah. You know, you and I are both creatives. We both make things that go out to a mass audience. We don't control who sees it. We don't really control who likes it or who responds to it. I'm not 100% sure what Jeffrey Wright's intention is Mm. regarding this film. I think he wanted to make an entertaining, a confronting, a thought-provoking movie. I think he has set up the environment, has set the scene Mm -hmm. by using excessive violence Mm -hmm. and incredibly emotive score as well. Mm. The manner in which the film is almost helter-skelter shot and edited. Yeah. To add to this. Yeah, and it does. It adds to this frenzied lifestyle where it is all about aggression and turf wars and territory about dynamics between people. So I think, again, it is a multi-layered and complex film. And you're right, Philip, the focus at the very beginning, or at least for the first half, is a lot about this violence. It then does shift to the inner group dynamics. Mm. But I feel like it has to go there. Otherwise, we're just watching 93 minutes (laughs) of people fighting. But I still feel that regardless of who the audience, intended audience was, regardless of what he was aiming for... He's ended up with a piece which one group of people are going to watch and go, yes, that's bad. Another group of people are going to almost put this as a uh, required reading, which I honestly think, you know, you can turn around and say, oh, well, the audience will always interpret. Okay, it's for me, it's like Adolf Hitler's house in Germany. They tore that down because neo-Nazis were coming to it as a shrine. Yes. Now, historians argued, no, we've got to keep it up because we've got to keep it as a, you know, like having Auschwitz still as a place, a place of never again, never let this happen again. Yes, and as a historian, you love primary sources. And as a historian, you love primary sources, and it is a historical building. Correct, But the government eventually decided to tear it down because they weighed up the pros and cons. And the massive con was that neo-Nazis were coming to worship them. Neo-Nazis were coming to draw inspiration, to uh, hail their their great leader, their, their dead prophets, all that horrible stuff. And do you feel that a film like Romper Stomper would serve as a source of inspiration? It's not a piece that is at the top of the food chain for it. But I do sit there and see it as like the Ned Kelly effect, like the Chopper Reed effect. It is a piece where certain people are going to look at that and go, they're the underdogs. This is why we're fighting against so-and-so. This is the reason. And then the whole second half of the movie is, a, this is why we don't let outsiders in. Gabrielle, as you rightly say, is the outsider. She comes in and topples everything. You don't let outsiders in. If you don't follow our way, you're not welcome. Gabrielle does topple things within the family unit and the family structure. I feel like she needs to be because, as you said, she isn't a saint. If anything, she's as much of an anti-hero as Davy and Hando and all the rest. But maybe she is required to show them how destructive their ideology and their lifestyle is. She alone does not set in motion the destruction of the gang. They do it to themselves. Yeah, and this is true too. But again, 
we can see that being educated. They do it by reacting violently mm. to a Vietnamese family purchasing what they see as their pub, their bar. So their yeah. local haunt has been sold to a Vietnamese family. Mm. And the gentleman buying it just wants to have a business for his sons. Why? So they can contribute. Yeah. They can provide. They can be a part of the Footscray community. Yeah, yeah. of the Footscray community. Again, Mm. to assimilate, to be involved. So all of these things that make a vibrant community a vibrant community. But yet, the neo-Nazis here don't see it that way. They see it as this continued invasion, this loss of territory, this loss of land. It almost really does become, simply put, as a turf war. As, yeah. You know, it is a clash of ideologies. And these guys, as look, I will say a lot of extreme right-wing people who resist the inevitable waves of change. Mm. an evolution of any culture and society that becomes more inclusive and more accepting. That threat is always present to the neo-Nazis, but it's only a threat because they see it as one. Yes, yes. You put a good point on the uh, Vietnamese kids being given the bar. Because again, if you're looking at line to line... To put the argument back into the idea of, you know, that neo-Nazis will look at this as a a shrine piece or whatever. But you see them talking in their language whilst the, the original white owner is sitting there. And the guy says something along the lines of, you know, oh, well, what do you think of it? The kid says it stinks or something along those lines and he's told to shut up. <laughs> Again, we laugh at that, but that's just going to incite them to go see. They're always talking behind our backs. And again, it does not paint a good picture. And I, and I know it's hard because I'm now not really talking about what he set out to make. Yes. Because at the end of the day, he set out to make an entertaining film and it is an entertaining film. I've always wanted people to go to see the films that we review. But that kind of influence comes with responsibility. And in the case of this 1992 film about a gang of neo-Nazis, I felt I had a duty of care. I know that people see it as a racist film. I profoundly disagree. Unlike Margaret, I was troubled by Rompostompa's extreme violence and promotion of racial supremacy. But the filmmaking was excellent, so I couldn't give it a poor rating. Yet I had to convey my concerns somehow. I can't score it at all, I'm afraid. So we watched David and Margaret's movie show review before we came into this, and David was against this. It was racist, it's horrible. I can't agree with that. Yeah. I agree with Margaret. It's an entertaining film. If he's just out to make an entertaining film around this subject, hit the mark perfectly. Yeah. If he's trying to make a point about, oh, racism's bad... He's got a little work to go. Maybe a couple more drafts. Because I honestly think that he's missed that particular mark. I do, though, however, do not believe that was his aim. His aim to make an entertaining piece around this subject that is neither pro or negative, swinging more towards negative. Well, I don't think as a filmmaker you can ever take responsibility for how a film is received by its audience. And as a film critic, I don't think I can really give a review which takes into account how other people might see this film. For example, if we go back to, you know, the the father and his adolescent kids purchasing the pub, 
and there was that discussion in native language about, oh, this place stinks. To me, that just sounds like what a normal teenager would say. Yeah. So that's my perspective and that's the lens that I'm looking at it through. I think that's how most people would have seen it. But again, I think you can take any film ever made and show it to different groups of people and their own beliefs and ideologies will dictate how they receive it and the feedback they give about it. Yeah. I don't necessarily think Romper Stomper is any different, believe it or not, despite the subject matter, despite the depiction of Anglo-Saxon people, Vietnamese-Australian people. I feel like that Jeffrey Wright has depicted an ugly culture, one that is self-destructive, one that I guess needs to be self-destructive because as an Australian who's always lived in the Western suburbs, who comes from an immigrant background, who has had names thrown at him, his nationality his cultural customs, I don't think that this type of ideology is beneficial or helpful to, you know, to our country, to our way of life, to the idea of us progressing and accepting more people from different customs and cultures. I never think that the skinheads here are glorified. I don't think their lifestyle is appealing at all. I can see how the disenfranchised within the film, and maybe observing it, would find some attraction to it. But I don't think that attraction is sustained at all that's why the focus then goes to the relationships to the dynamics within the group because i think that again this ideology cannot sustain itself because it is not realistic it is not inclusive it's not accepting and it's just not healthy at all and i think again davy killing hando at the end protecting gabrielle probably isn't so much about him being redeemed because at the end of the day he still holds these ideologies but i think it's him also accepting that it's not sustainable for him because Mm. he's already out before this scene. You know, he's living in his grandmother's Mm. granny flat, essentially, Mm. leading quite a quiet lifestyle. Yes, it's only about a day or two. Obviously his go-to. Yes, and it seems like he's quite comfortable and content just sort of being with himself. Mm. When Gabrielle comes, he's happy being with her. If we compare the way they make love to other scenes in the film that involve her, yes, it's passionate, yes, it's intense, but it's done in a way that's about more about two individuals respecting one another. Yeah, yeah, it's it's more of a partnership than a yeah. I want to fuck. Yeah, exactly. And Davey's always shown as a bit more sensitive. Yes, aggressive. Yes, I understand that. But again, I think it's to show that complexity. There are no angels in this film, Mm. you know, and that includes the law enforcement as well. Yeah, I think. Which side note. And I I said this to you whilst watching the film and it changed a bit, but I did say it's interesting that there's little to no, well, at the time I was saying it, there is no law enforcement. Now, I get that we're in an age where CCTV isn't quite all over the place and I get that we're in a time where mobile phones are really in their infancy, but I still sort of sat there and went, well, we're essentially now at a race riot. Where's the police? (laughs) Yeah. Well, the point that I made out or my suggestion to that is the reason why we don't see law enforcement in those early moments is to reiterate how fast these outbursts of violence are. And these boys are always on the move. Yes. We see it through the change in locations. We see it through the editing, through the camera angles, through the music. It's quite a skillfully produced film. And to be honest, we see it later when the only way the cops can do anything is through a tip-off. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it becomes a full force raid once again at the end. 
this is a film that polarized people upon its release. Mm. And Philip, you're experiencing this movie for the first time. For me, I have seen it before, but it has mm-hmm. been a while. Polarized us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when David and Margaret reviewed this film in 1992, Margaret gave it four and a half out of five. David refused to score it. Mm. So, Philip, I'm curious, what do you give it out of five? Whilst I understand partially where David was coming from, I still can't see this as a racist film. I will stand by that I think that it's a film that racists could be attracted to and use as a hurrah film. However, for what the film was intending to be an entertaining piece to be set in this world to tell a story about race relations in Western Footscray, I'd give it a four out of five. I do think it is a well put together film. The uh, cinema photography, the score is beautiful. The dialogue is actually really well written. It does feel like a piece that you could almost use as a historical uh, sort of uh, guide, as it were, in terms of uh, whether or not it's picked up by the wrong audiences. Well, that to me is not enough to affect the score. I agree with you, Philip. I think this is an important film in terms of Australian cinema, Mm. especially because of what it reflected Mm. at the time it was made, how it was received, and the fact that we can still discuss it in depth and we haven't touched on hardly any of it in the confines of this review. That's it. That says a lot about a film, about its staying power as well. I think it's remarkably made. I think the performances of Russell Crowe, Daniel Pollock, Mm -hmm. and Jacqueline McKenzie are phenomenal. It was the film that took Russell Crowe to Hollywood. Altogether, a really competent, engrossing, disturbing, but always captivating film. So it's a very high four stars for me as well. Beautiful. Yeah. So, Philip, Mm. what have you got for us next time? Wayne, do you like Monty Python? I don't mind a bit of Python. You don't mind a bit of Python? You've told me that one of the films that you quite enjoyed of Python was a Monty Python Life of Brian. That's right, funny film. Well, you're in luck because <laughs> we are not watching that film. Yay, something new then. <laughs> we are watching a film called Holy Flying Circus. Oh, okay, I have heard of this film but not seen it. To give a very brief outline, it is the story of the controversy surrounding Monty Python's Life of Brian. Oh, very interesting. Well, I look forward to that. Well, with that... I've been a Wayne Stellini. And I've been a Philip Hunting. And, and you've, you've just experienced, experienced Fred Watch. Watch. Cue music. Bum, 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 bum. Hey, Phil. Yeah. Can't wait for the Jar Jar Binks movie. No! <laughs> and scene.